welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. What is holding you back from growing? When I ask that question, I mean, probably all of us in some shape or form have this idea that we want to be more than who we are. We want to break old habits. We want to form new habits. We want to get rid of addictions. We want to be able to succeed in a certain area of life. We want to mature. We want to grow. You know, when we're younger, it's mostly have to do with our height and our strength and our maybe physical capabilities. But as we get older, we realize there are more areas in which we want to get better, do better, be better, to grow. And the question is, what's holding us back from that? We probably all share the desire to grow in some shape or form. We might define it differently. But we probably also all share the frustration of saying, well, how come I'm not? Or how come I can't grow more? What's holding me back? What's holding you back? We might answer that question in three ways. Like, well, other people or circumstances or, or my own self-discipline, right? Some of us think, well, I, I need other people to help me. You know, I, I can't do this on my own. I, I need help or I need someone to stop doing what they're doing so that I can grow. Or I need someone to start doing something that I wish they would do so that I can grow. Um, we feel like uh, circumstances aren't, aren't helpful for us. We're like, man, like I, you know, the environment I'm in or the, the conditions that I'm in or the things that are beyond my control that I can't control are not helping me. And if I had better circumstances, if life wasn't so difficult, if I wasn't set up this way or born into this family or dealt these cards, I could grow. Some of us might think, yeah, I'm just not disciplined enough. If I was a little more like that person or a little more like this person, if I could just be, if I could just try harder, I could grow. Now we're talking about this question of growth. How do I grow in the context of faith, right? Um, and what it means to grow in our faith. And by that, we mean in a holistic way where mind, body, relationships, spirit, um, soul, all of it grows. And certainly in the same way, we can feel like, oh, what's holding me back in my faith is because other people aren't doing what I need them to do. Maybe I, I need my church or my pastor or my priest, or I'm not in the right church, or th- those th- other people need to do things or change things or stop doing things in order to help me grow or for me to grow. Or circumstances. I'm just not in the right conditions. My life is too difficult. I can't seem to find the time. I don't really know how to do that. Uh, or perhaps you might say, yeah, I just got to try harder. I know, I know. I mean, even as I'm talking, you're all that good religious guilt. <laughs> Some of us came from very guilty, motivated religious traditions or homes. And so you're like, oh yeah, I know this is bad. This is going to be a bad sermon. But like some of you are like gluttons for punishment. You're like, yeah, make me feel guilty. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, hey, we're all in that boat together. And, and the question really we're asking about growth We started this series a few weeks ago saying, what kind of growth are we talking about? And if I can give you a word we haven't used yet, but I think actually really encapsulates the heart of what it means to grow. It's this word fruitfulness. Now, that's not a word we use very often, we think about very often, but the idea over the analogy of a tree that as it's growing and becomes mature and has its uh, roots down in the right sources, eventually it will bear fruit. In other words, it's life what it produces will be beautiful and good and useful for other people. Like those are all words that we would want, right? A beautiful life, a good life, a life that's useful in the sense that other people go, oh, that was a gift to me. That's what fruit is in a tree and something biotic that grows. And that is what we want our lives to be. 
certainly now progressively, but even in the end of our days, right? To feel like, man, what came out of my life as I grew, I didn't just accumulate stuff. I grew and what was produced out of my life, my life's work, my relationships and every sphere of life was good and beautiful and useful for other people. You know, Jesus, in one of the last conversations he had with his disciples, actually um, answered this question about, yeah, how do I grow? Or what's holding me back from having a life that is truly fruitful? And I want you to listen because it's not a, hey, seven steps to growth. This isn't Jesus' audio version of a book that he wrote. He never wrote a book that would have ended up on Oprah's bestseller list. Like that's not what this is. But he actually gets to the heart of what it means for us to understand what might be holding us back in our growth and what it means to have a life that actually produces something beautiful and good and useful. So have a listen. I am the real vine, and my father is a farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine and you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on a bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as disciples. People have made this observation that the words someone chooses to say in their final moments in life or when they know the end is near must be the most important things to them, the most important words, especially the words they say to their closest friends, to their loved ones. And this is actually a conversation Jesus is having with his closest friends right before he's about to die. He knows the end is near. And so we can say, yeah, these were really important words. It's part of a longer conversation that he had with his disciples the night before he died. And in this conversation, he says something about um, growth and spiritual life and faith that um, can put to bed forever the question of whether Jesus was trying to start some new religious movement or point them to a religious institution or the church and say, yeah, this is how you're going to grow. Or to point to some moral code and say, here, you follow these seven steps and then you're going to grow. That is categorically not at all what he was talking about. And it begins this conversation as he says, okay, this is how you're going to live your life. This is how you're going to grow with these words. He says, I am the vine. I am the vine which is maybe strange language for us, but it wouldn't have been for people who were in an agrarian society surrounded by vineyards. But even more so, this group of, of uh, you know, God-fearing Jews 
would have understood the loaded meanings of those, that, those words, I am the vine. Because actually, if you look back in the earlier parts of scripture, Israel, the people of God, were referred to as a vine, a vine or a branch that God chose that was going to produce fruit that was going to be beautiful and good and bless the world. And yet the sad story was they, they failed to do that. In so many ways, they were not a beautiful, good gift to the world around them. And so Jesus comes along and says, yeah, now life and the gift of fruit to the world is not going to be found in a people group or a religious system or a political um, or earthly kingdom. He says, actually, it's found in me. I am the vine which was an unmistakable uh, statement to them to say life, thriving, fullness, to grow fruit and become a blessing and a gift to the world is found in me. He says, I am the vine. <clears throat> and then he begins to unpack for them two ways to live in response. Like if he's the vine, if life is found in him, he said, there's two ways to live. And he contrasts these two images. He says, one way to live is where you become kind of a dried up, um, dying, uh, expiring twig, something that is disconnected from life that eventually dries up and dies and it is of no use to anyone. And he says, you know, look around, they would have walked through vineyards. Perhaps they were, you know, had walked through a vineyard on their way to this dinner. They would have seen twigs along the ground, stuff that got disconnected in a sense from the vine and was dried up and dying and not really useful at all. He says, you could, that's one way to live. The other way is if you as a branch um, are actually full of life, thriving, and are able to, just like branches um, that, that have grapes on the end, produce fruit that is beautiful, that is good. Um, you know, wine in that culture in that time was a symbol. It wasn't just something they drank to celebrate. It was a symbol of joy. And so he's saying, yeah, this is the other way to live, not as a dried up sort of expiring kind of twig that has no use, but a thriving vine that produces fruit in a sense over and over. He said he talks about this kind of in an ever increasing way. And he contrasts, very stark contrast between these two ways to live, either a dried up sort of expiring life or something that is alive and fruitful. Now, the choice for any of us listening and for them is like obvious. Well, well yeah, I, that's no choice. I know what kind of life I'd want to live. But the question is, how? How do we actually have a life that is thriving, that is fruit producing year after year? Well, Jesus answers the questions, the question with three more words. Live in me. Live in me, he says. And, and then he, he actually starts to mix metaphors. He says, make your home in me as I make my home in you. Live in me. And it's these two pictures, both of the vine and the branches, but then also this kind of home language of living together that Jesus says, hey, this is how you're going to produce fruit. This is how you're going to have that life that is not sort of dried up, disconnected, expiring, and of no value to anyone or use. But this is how you're going to bear fruit year after year. He says, you live in me just as a vine is organically 
right? Not mechanically. Like uh, a little while ago, Jen and I were walking through a vineyard actually in um, Niagara on the Lake. And you don't see um, kind of screws and metal clasps holding the, the branches to the vine, right? They're organically connected. In fact, you can't even see where one ends, the other begins. The vine that flows all the way through, all of the branches connected and fruit coming. It looks like this beautiful integrated sort of thing. It is an organic connection Jesus is talking about. I am the vine. I am a life-giving source. Stay connected to me and then you will bear fruit. And then he gives them a different kind of picture of like how to stay connected or what that means. He says, make your home in me as I make my home in you, which kind of just sounds strange. But actually some of your translations will say, remain in me as I remain in you or dwell in me as I dwell in you. And for the disciples, they would have understood the meaning of this. Because historically for them, for the people of God, where God dwelled or where God lived was the temple. It was the specific place in the center of Jerusalem. Jerusalem as a city was built around the temple because that was the center of life. And that's where supposedly God lived and God dwelled. And now Jesus is saying, no, no, God doesn't live in a temple. He lives in you. He dwells with you. It's this very intimate, personal, relational language of God living with them. Jesus says, I live with you and you live with me. Not just sort of vine branch organic connection, but in a familial kind of personal relationship of friendship, we live together. And he says, that's how you're going to grow in this organic relational connection to me, like vine in a branches and like people in a home living together. Now, what's really interesting about the text here is he uses the word you when he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And then he says, I live in you as you live in me. That word you at times, this is a little grammar uh, thing for you, at times it's a plural word. So he's talking to the disciples, his group of friends, you collectively, I'm the vine, you collectively, you are all branches. But then when he says, I live in you and you live in me, that actually is a singular, the, the Greek word there is the singular you. And so, yes, it is talking, and he's talking to them as a group, but it is a very personal invitation, in a sense, for each of them then and each of us now to engage with Jesus in a very personal way. Now, the last few weeks, we have been looking at um, faith catalysts, which are about how we catalyze faith, how faith actually grows in our lives. How do we grow? And it's interesting, the first three weeks, all of the faith catalysts we've talked about have been communal ones. And in fact, we've said things like, you're not going to grow if you're going alone, right? We said, if you're, you know, uh, in private faith dies, together faith multiplies. We've talked about the very communal corporate dimensions of faith. And yet this passage, Jesus says, there's actually a very personal dimension to this. That we are meant to exist in relationship with Jesus, that if I can say it this way, is about both intimacy and access. Intimacy and access. Like this is what describes our relationship with God. Intimacy with Jesus as in, like these were his friends, right? The intimate friendship where we receive his love personally, where we express our love to him personally, where we relate person to person, like people who live in deep, intimate friendship in a home and in life, or in the way that the vine and the branches are intimately connected. There's a seamless connection between them. Life, in a sense, flowing between them. There's that intimacy sense in, in this relationship with Jesus, but also 
access, right? Where, where we are, in a sense, accessing his life, but where we give him access to our life. Now, that's a strange word, maybe, but when you think about in relationships, when we give Jesus access to our life, it isn't just that personal intimacy of friendship. It's also a knowing, like under the surface knowing of our thoughts, our motives, our emotions, which is to say it is a relationship with Jesus that is vulnerable and honest, where he knows our emotions, where we feel free to express our emotions, you know? Uh, Like one of the things to be honest about, like if we've never been angry at God, if we've never expressed our anger to God, either we're not really in touch with how hard life is or we're not being honest with God. Like he doesn't actually have access to our life. So our our deepest emotions, our, our private inner thoughts, our motivations, our decisions, our will, it's all about the access to that. Jesus says, remain in me and I in you. Let me live in you. Come close to me that we will be connected both for intimacy and for access. Friends, this personal invitation of Jesus to live in relationship with like that, with him like that, is essential if we are going to grow. Or to say it another way, what may be holding us back from growing is that we are missing, we are not connected to Jesus in this relationship of intimacy and access. And in fact, he's very clear about what will happen in our lives, right? He says, apart from me, some of your translations say, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like you're disconnected to me, you will dry up and die on the inside like that twig, right? Or this translation, we said, separated, you can't produce a thing. If you are disconnected from me, that may be what is holding some of us back from a relationship that is growing. And this, this personal invitation of Jesus, right, that is for both intimacy and access, if we can be honest, it kind of nails some of our Christian history and our thinking between the eyes. And, and here's what I mean by that. Some of us came from traditions or grew up with a kind of a Christianity or an understanding of faith or religion where it was primarily all about the church, that our faith life was about church attendance, church sacraments, church activities, what the priest did for us or what the pastor was supposed to do. All of it was oriented towards what others did, the, the broader community. And, and we've already talked about how, of course, that broader community is so important. But in many of our traditions, in many of our uh, faith circles, All of it happened from the church. It was really outside of us. And there was no talk or emphasis or direction or teaching or guidance as to what it meant that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or perhaps we grew up where a place where priests or pastors, whatever, talked about the things of God in a very impersonal way. Like we could not say, if we're honest, that it felt like they were talking about someone they knew personally. It was all out there, all in the external part. And many of our traditions explicitly kind of taught that, that the church is the way you receive salvation. Or was this this implicit kind of emphasis on it's all of the external things that you do and no one really talking to us that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus, that we should be trying to cultivate one of intimacy and access with Christ. Likewise, some of us came from Christian traditions where we were Christian because our family was Christian. We were born whatever it was, whatever religion it was. And even if it was Christian, it's like, and so the family went to church or the place of worship, the family, you know, read scripture or read from the Holy Book or whatever, but that's basically what it was. And if we're honest, nobody really asked us about whether we actually were having a relationship with God, whether no one was encouraging us to cultivate a relationship with Jesus. And maybe if we're honest too, we might say, yeah, I'm not really sure if my parents or my dad or my mom or whatever, aunt or uncle, grandparent, actually knew 
God personally. I wouldn't say that I would describe their relationship with God like that. For many of us, that's what we grew up with. And then still others of us came from this, you know, kind of teaching that evangelicalism or reformed kind of Christian background was like, all what Jesus did for us. You don't have to do anything. It's all what's been done for you. He died for you. He saved you. He's your savior. And it's led to very, probably a very passive and actually distant relationship with God. He's our savior. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's ascended. He did all that stuff for me. But implied in that is a very distant kind of passive thing where I don't need to do anything. And I'm actually lacking this day-to-day intimate, organic connection of intimacy and access, of friendship, if I can say it this way, and influence. This is what Jesus is saying is essential to our growth life with God. And Jesus makes it clear, we're not going to grow. We're going to dry up and die and expire and not be the useful, fruit-bearing, beautiful, good people we want to be or have a life like that if we are disconnected from him, which is to say, it is no one else's responsibility to grow that relationship with God, but our own. No one can do that for us. It is something we engage in personally because each of us are invited into that personally. This is what we call the faith catalyst, personal practice. Personal practice. That there are things that we can do on a daily, daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, on a weekly basis, on a yearly basis, over time in our lives, personal practices that we can engage in that allow for intimacy and access into our lives. Now, the challenge is that um, these are not things that, um, you know, for some of us, we'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know you're going to talk about like reading scripture and praying or whatever. But that in many ways that those have become kind of routine for a lot of us. They're just kind of things we do. Or we sort of expect, yeah, I do those things and I'm going to automatically grow. And we have missed the fact, hear me, that these personal practices do not by themselves do anything for us. And I'm going to talk about what a few of those might be. But if we think of them primarily as stuff we do to live by, because that's just what you do if you're a Christian, or that's how you earn God's love or whatever, we're going to miss the fact that these personal practices are things we do to open up the possibility to grow our intimate friendship with Jesus and to allow him more access and influence into our lives. The purpose of these things is not to earn favor with God or get God to love you more. God already loves you, but we need practices that help us access that love, to help us receive that love, to help us show that love, to help us stay in that place of loving connection with Jesus. And so we actually need to see these things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just list a few of the spiritual practices, personal practices that we are invited, we're able to engage in. That these are things that actually allow for intimacy and access. We read scripture, not primarily for information, right? We read scripture for relationship, to know personally the personal God who wants to know us personally. That we actually, Jesus even says in this passage, John 15, if my words remain in you, and he's not just talking about scripture, but certainly scripture is one of the ways where the words of Christ live in us and we live or we make our home or we build our life based on what he is saying to us. We read scripture to hear Jesus speak to us in a living day by day, moment by moment way. We read to receive his wisdom, his correction, for him to have access to our lives, to influence our decisions and our will. Scripture, we read for it to have influence on us. 
to have access to our decisions, to our emotions, to our will. Likewise, we pray. Prayer is intimacy with God. It is expressing communication, not just speaking to God, but listening as well, right? Any healthy, intimate relationship involves both speaking and listening. And prayer is both, where we are able to pour our hearts out to God, where we're able to be, as I said, honest with him and vulnerable with him and feel safe with him, but also to hear his voice, to receive his peace, to receive his wisdom. In prayer, God, not only, we not only speak to God, he can speak to us. Scripture, prayer, being alone and in silence. Being alone and in silence, we, are, we become more aware of how noisy our thoughts are, how cluttered our minds are, how complex our emotions are, and that Jesus actually knows those things. And we can invite him in to calm the storms, to sort out the muddle. When we're silent, we actually become aware of just how noisy things are. When we are alone, we realize we're never alone. He is always with us, right? Intimate friendship day by day. We practice Sabbath rest one day in seven and even seasons throughout the year where we stop from working, where we stop from buying, where we stop striving, where we stop um, thinking that what we do is who we are, that we need to earn our favor, that we need to earn our keep, that we need to earn God's love. We stop, we rest. That's why one in seven, we gather together to worship together, to be in relationship with God, to be in relationship with each other's uh, other, to, to know we're not defined by what good or bad, what happened the previous six days of the week, we stop and rest. We fast. We fast from food or drink or social media or sports or whatever um, to re-engage appetites for Jesus, the living bread, Jesus, the living water, to draw, realize we don't draw our life from all of these other distractions or even food. We need to live on the food that he gives us. So fasting actually resets our appetites for intimacy and access with Jesus. Likewise, we read books, we listen to music to allow us to experience and hear the truth of God and who he is and who we are sung over us, right? So many of the songs we sing together are about his love for us and our desire to receive that experience, his grace, his forgiveness, his purpose, his kindness, his goodness. All of these things, friends, are not things we do to earn favor with God. They will not automatically make us grow. It's not a formula. <laughs> they are practices if we engage in on a personal way, we are able to experience the relationship with God personally in our lives. I want to take a moment, actually, to practice this together, to do a personal practice together. And one that if you say, I don't know how to do this, or I don't even know where to start, or how do, what do you mean we can actually hear God speak to us or hear God speak to us through scripture? So we're going to use two practices together today, silence and scripture to actually give you a chance to hear from God. And so I'm going to explain to you how it's going to go, just for those of you that are planners and like to know. It's going to take six minutes, okay? In the first minute, we're just going to slow our breathing. Don't do it yet. I'm just going to tell you where we're going. We're going to take one minute just to breathe slowly and quietly and to become aware that God is with us, that he loves us, that he wants to be heard and known, and he wants to hear from us. We're going to take a minute to do that. Then you're going to hear a passage of scripture read for you slowly. And the first time you hear it read, um, don't try to analyze it. Don't, remember, don't try to grasp it for information. Hear it as a voice. Hear it uh, as a tone. Hear it as a conversation. God speaking to you. 
Then it's going to be read for you again, slowly the second time. And the second time, what you're doing is you're just listening for a word or a phrase or a picture or an image that lands with you. Maybe it's just one word. Maybe it's one phrase that seems to have a weight that kind of grabs your heart and mind. And, and don't worry about the rest. Once you hear that, just kind of hold on to it. Turn it over in your mind. Picture the word or the phrase or the image in your mind and just hang on to it. Then you're going to have a minute to ask Jesus in prayer, Jesus, what does this mean? Or what are you trying to say to me? And just wait in silence to hear what he might say. And then a final minute to respond back to him in prayer. It could be a response of thank you, or I need to hear more of that, or I need to, we need to talk more about this, um, or can you explain more? Whatever it is you want to respond. It's going to take six minutes total, but I just invite you to engage in that. Um, and don't worry if you don't hear anything or if it's really if it's really noisy in your thoughts. That's okay. This is about an intimate relationship with the one who has invited you to be friend, the friend of God. And if it doesn't happen for you now, you can try it again. This is actually meant for you to try at home. So let's take a few minutes and engage in that together. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You'll enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts.
Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You'll enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Hopefully that was a meaningful, uh, personal experience for you. And I'd encourage you to try this at home. You can do this every day. It took you six minutes, right? How much time do we spend? Far more than six minutes on so many things. The message I sent to you the other day, uh, the pastor said, how many of us just waste the last hour and a half a day on things that don't really change our lives? right? So this is a beautiful thing you could practice in the evenings or first thing in the morning. Um, and maybe you're, you're for, if you're like me, you're going to need longer than six minutes just because it takes me longer to quiet my head down. But maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 15 minutes to actually open up your life, right? For intimacy and access with Jesus. 
Now, two other ways you can do that. One is the daily reading. That's on our website and on our app. Five days a week, we write um, reflections for you based on Scripture. Some of them actually include exercises like this. Some of them include songs to listen to. All of them include Scripture. The whole purpose, right, to help you grow your intimate relationship with God. It is a personal practice. The daily reading is a personal practice you can engage in to help you grow in your faith. The other one is is kind of a communal one, but it is a very personal decision and experience, and that's the Encounter Worship Night that we have coming up on Friday, October 29th at TDCH. You can register for that. You need to register for that. There's limited spots available um, on the well.ca, and that will be a night of encountering, right? This is about relationship, encountering Jesus together, um, but having knowing that, yeah, we're together, but each of us has a personal relationship with him. Even as I say that, you know, like just to remind some of you that today may be the day for you to actually start a new relationship with Jesus that you never realized. Maybe perhaps in the, in the past, or from another religious background or no religious background, or maybe the Christian background you had, it was very much sort of out there with the church, with other people. You never realized it was actually something that could be and is meant to be personal as well. And if that's you, I just invite you to actually pray that and and to invite Jesus. You know, he says, hey, make your home in me as I make my home in you. You can pray a prayer that says, yeah, Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to live in union with you. I want to be with you like a vine with a branch. I want to be in intimate friendship with you. I want to give you access to my life. And if that's something you want to pray and you feel like you need help with, you can reach out to one of the site pastors for sure, or somebody that you know at the well to help you with that. For others of us, these things may be just about restarting or renewing our relationship with Jesus in this season. Man, I don't know about you, but in this particular season over the last 18 months, I've felt at times often like that dry, (laughs) dying twig, you know, that's sort of used up on the inside and doesn't feel like it has anything to give, didn't feel like it had anything to give to other people. I think that's been a common experience for many of us. And yet we are invited in this opportunity, despite the circumstances, despite what other people are or aren't doing, and not for us to try and just strive, you know, to not be dry, but to actually do things that connect us into the vine, to experience the life of Jesus in us again, to grow our sense of intimacy and friendship with him, and to invite more access and influence from him into our lives. And I want you to hear a story of someone um, who, for whom the daily reading was one of those practices that actually allowed them to experience more intimacy with Jesus in a season where they desperately needed it. Yeah, so there's so many instances where, you know, I feel like the daily readings have helped me grow, uh, you know, a deeper knowledge of God and who he is. Um, uh, You know, I remember when we were in the middle of uh, the series on love and there was an exercise that asked you to um, embed your name, uh, take out some of the names in scripture and put your own name in there. And I just thought that was so cool. I had never done that, you know, and it just felt such a personal way to interact with scripture. And uh, rather than an impersonal way where sometimes you can't maybe relate, it was just so personal. And uh, there was another time when I watched a video on agape love. And, uh, you know, I was one of the exercises was to write a response of what God would be saying to me. 
and and again, it was such a personal way to connect, you know. And I, I just felt really God's presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've just been so blessed uh, through the music, through the videos, through the questions, through the scripture. You know, I, I feel like I'm digging deeper into scripture. And, uh, you know, God is revealing more of who he is and his love for me. So it's really his gift to me. And I feel like I have a deeper hunger for God, um, just being engaged in these daily readings. Uh, you know, for me, like, I really wanted to do it in the morning, to carve out this time in the morning. And Mornings are a challenge as it is. So I wanted to carve out the, the time when before the kids woke up, when it was quiet, before I went into work. Um, so I really just asked God and prayed that he would help me to get up a little bit earlier. And he really has been, you know, I, I wake up, I make my favorite tea, and then I, I settle into my favorite chair in the living room by the windows. And it's just it's just so quiet in the house and, and, uh, you know, uh, God knew that that's the time I needed. And uh, I just, um, I've been so blessed uh, by that time. So I think just having that quiet time, that quiet space, it's just become like such, such times that I look forward to now that if I miss a day, I really feel it, you know, as something's missing in my days. I had watched a video on agape love and one of the exercises was to write what God was saying to me. Dear Parul, love is action. It's not a feeling. It's putting someone else's needs before your own, regardless of how you feel. That's what I did. I love those who despised me and rejected me. Those who I couldn't get anything back from. I love till the point of death so others could know me know the father it was a costly love but one that was necessary so you could also know me you see love always wins in the end it's the foundation of everything learn from me and you will learn to love well where would you be if it weren't for my love for you where would this world be without my love for them